welcome to the Transformation Series presented during the This Is Not A Fringe Festival in Montreal, Quebec in June 2020. Today, let's talk about making art right now. Hi everyone, welcome. Welcome Facebook land, welcome YouTube. Um, my name is Amy Blackmore. I'm the executive and artistic director of Mainline Theatre and the Montreal Fringe Festival. The center was Montreal Fringe. Mon nom est Amy Blackmore. Je suis la directrice générale et artistique du Festival Cinéboise Fringe de Montréal et le Théâtre Mainline. I am so excited that we're doing this. Um, technology is crazy and so is the pandemic. Um, here we are together. This is the first in a series of talks we're gonna have all week as part of our transformative uh, series. When we originally started talking about doing this, I really wanted to find a way to bring folks together um, so that we could just have conversation about what's going on in the world right now, how it's influencing our artistic practice and more. Uh, later on, at the end, I'll let you know some of the themes that are coming up this week, but you can always go to montrealfringe.ca to check it out. This is not a fringe, but we're still using the fringe website, so it's okay. <laughs> we're also using the hashtag fringebuzz, so if you do have anything you want to say, you can do that. But I want to show you this really cool thing I've discovered. If you make a comment, I might be able to share it on the screen. So there's Deirdre's comment that it's so exciting. Thanks, Deirdre. Um, so I'll be watching those come in. Um, I don't wanna speak for much longer because we do have an incredible group here with us. So I think just without further ado, let's bring them in because we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about what it's like to make art right now. So technology's gonna happen. Here we go. Gabe Margin is with us. We also have Who's going to show up next? Shanti Gonzalez, welcome. <laughs> we also have Julie Tomiko Manning. <laughs> Helen Samard, welcome. And finally, Quincy Armour. This is so awesome. We're all like at home doing our own thing. We never have to leave our houses again because we can hang out on the internet together. Um, <laughs> so let's do that. No, I'm kidding. Um, welcome to all of you. Um, before we dive into our topics, I was hoping that you could all introduce yourselves. Um, who wants to go first? Let's go for it. That's a bad way to like, <laughs> get the ball rolling on. <laughs> Who goes oh, one, you won. You've won. You're going for it. I talked first. <laughs> um, my name is Julie Tomiko Manning, and I am a Montreal theater creator, uh, actor, uh, mentor, uh, I don't know, person. <laughs> yeah, and I've been around for, you know, uh, before the Fringe Montreal was born, actually. Yeah, I know that old. <laughs> That's okay. The fringe is skipping a year this year, which means we all get to also like skip the year. So next year, the fringe will still be 30. Whatever age you are this year, you will still be next year. That is how this is working through the pandemic. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for being here. Quincy. Uh 
Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, hi, I'm Quincy Armour. I'm an actor, director, instructor, and I am the artistic director of Black Theatre Workshop. Uh, super excited to be here to talk about a, you know, potentially a big, big anniversary season that's not going to be a season like we anticipated it being, which is oh, so many thoughts to, to share about that. But uh, it's so nice to actually be among some awesome people of the theatre and uh, it's nice to see your faces. Looking forward to chatting for a bit uh, because I miss you all and I miss what we do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Shanti. Hello, uh, I'm Shanti. I am a theater artist. I work for the Quebec Drama Federation as the membership and communications coordinator. And I am also an arts educator. And I too am so happy to see these familiar faces. It's so like there's like a thing your body does that sigh of relief kind of thing when you are with your people for the first time again and i'm like god i missed you guys nice to see you excited to have this conversation thank you we have a hello from christine we have a little heart over here from leah jane welcome guys we're excited for this um gabe how about you yeah, um, my name's Gabe. I am born and raised in Montreal, and I'm a performer, playwright, producer. Um, and yeah, I love making theater, and I definitely miss being able to to work and see all of your work in the flesh, like it, like I have been for you know my time. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to see what we can, what's being created, nonetheless. And this not having a fringe is kind of strange for me. I mean, in the past, I've done a few, like three fringe shows in the past three years. So it's just like a, a kind of interesting, like no fringe now is, it's not what I'm used to with my Junes, but we're here. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much. And last but not least, Helen Samard. Hi everybody, um, I'm Helen Samard. I am a choreographer and dance dramaturg and general uh, art making person. Um, yeah, and uh, it's very strange to to be in the business of being people together in public um, when you can't bring people together in public. So I've been living this uh, pandemic strangely and wondering what the thing we do is without without an audience and what it is without proximity and connection and all the all the magic in the experience of being in the theater together. Yeah, totally. Thank you, thank you all. Here's another fun one. Thanks, Craig. I like those. Um, you know, it's funny, on March 14th in the afternoon, that was when we received an email at Mainline from the government letting us know that we could not have performances that evening. And, you know, I'll never forget, you know, walking into the mini main, canceling that show, which was sold out. Same thing for the main space. Um, and just kind of digesting that information that night. and. I don't know that any of us realized or knew then that we would still be in that boat now. Um, I know for myself, it's been very day by day. It's been difficult to make plans. Um, I'm curious to know, maybe first of all, if you are still making art right now um, and what that process has been like for you. I'll speak a little. Um, so I'm lucky enough to be working with Night Swimming Theatre. They're based in Toronto and they have this initiative called the 5 by 25 where they have commissioned an artist very specifically born in 1995. So very specific grants for the win. Um, but I'm lucky enough to, with their support, be developing some plays right now. 
and that hasn't stopped. But what's interesting is like it shifts and it transforms a bit um, because I find that I'm, I'm working on two specific pieces with them. One piece I was working on a lot more before the pandemic, but and it's like in, in my head, it's situated like in like 1998. So the pandemic doesn't really complicate that. But like accessing the before is complicated. And so I'm kind of like letting it um, like slow cook right now. And the other one kind of came out of the pandemic and like is this piece kind of it's it's very like, I don't know, I'm, I'm a person that I find my energy through joy and I'm really like actively committing to that as an intention. And I like I've been coming to an into an identity of really loving theater for young audiences and finding my joy through young audiences. And I, there are these kids in my neighborhood and I would not see them because they'd be at school and I'd be at work, but they hang out in their magnolia tree like all the time. And I'm just like, oh my God, what a beautiful like distancing friendship that they have built with me and my roommate and some of the people across, like across the balconies, we have this really like pretty Ruel community. Um, and yeah, so that's been really inspiring to me actually. And I'm just kind of writing that small world and the small communities. Cause I find our world has grown smaller and in a way that's kind of nice. It's like when you bring your intention, your attention inward and you're paying attention to like small breath and small things because small, actually maybe i don't know for me i feel like it has impact and i feel like for me it's honest as an artist and i think it will be impactful for people and perhaps young people to see that reality reflected too so that's where i'm finding my that's like the work creatively that i'm doing in the context of theater right now which is pretty cool i like it i'm very fortunate that's interesting how you're finding the closeness with your neighbors and i'm curious you know uh, is everyone online more or less because um, I'm finding I'm seeing more neighbors, but are we also just connecting more online at the same time, like these polar opposites? Yeah, I've had, um, well, when when things first started, when we first had to go into isolation, actually, I was saying to Helen before that her project was the last project that I was working on as we were sort of moving like through the state of emergency and so I kind of I kind of feel like seeing her again is this really weird because it's been almost three months mm -hmm. and it's just this really weird thing but um I was still mentoring with uh, the BTW AMP program and uh, Artista through Imago and so we moved everything online which was uh quite incredible we didn't think that we were gonna we were unsure of how it was going to go, but I think that it worked quite well. And and um, I was actually connecting to my mentees a lot more online. And I think a part of that was because all of the other jobs kind of disappeared. And so I had, <laughs> so that was the one thing that I could actually focus all of my time on. And so I, I really enjoyed being able to sort of meet up with people more than I would have normally. Um, as far as like uh, uh, like family, I've connected with family and friends probably more than I normally would as well. And it's really nice because we can connect with people who are quite far away. Hi, Quincy. You're back. Hey guys, <laughs> sorry about that, internet. This is what's happening, we get, Kicked out of Zoom meetings, you know, that's part of part of the deal. Yeah. 
it's funny how that's kind of been like at the beginning it's, it was really stressful. Like, oh my God, what if I get kicked off? What if I can't hear anything? What if like my, you know, the screen goes dark and now it's just like, whatever. Like it just, it happens to everybody. Yeah, pretty much, right? Or like the FaceTime not working or, you know, I'm fine that I'm like texting, FaceTiming, slacking, live streaming, every possible way of communicating with Kenny, I will communicate with him within like an hour. It's kind of out of control. Um, <laughs> Helen, I feel like you've been rehearsing, um, yeah. and I'm curious how the rehearsal process is going. Yeah, well, it was um, right when the shutdown happened, uh, I was right in the middle of two projects. One uh, that Julie mentioned that was a play workshop that we were developing, and that one we were able to wrap up kind of just as things locked down. But the other project I was in um, was kind of in the middle of a first um, research process for a trio I'm creating for Three Street Dancers um, that's supposed to premiere in the fall. And the idea of the project um, at the base is that we're creating a solo for each one of these dancers. And so after the first few weeks when we realized that the confinement was going to last, I was like, well, our show in the fall hasn't been canceled yet. And so we have to move our research forward. And so we have to start rehearsing online um, because we have to have some material, hoping we can get back into studio someday. We have to have advanced the first stages of research to kind of know what direction we're going in. Um, and so, so the confinement actually worked with the form of the project. And I started out by working with the dancers one at a time uh, through Zoom. Uh, what was super fascinating about it was that I just had to trust them so inherently because I would give them tasks or I would give them, you know, research um, threads that I wanted them to take or improv tasks. And I would give them an hour, an hour and a half to work on it. And then we would check back in and I would see what they had worked on. And so it was really exciting because uh, I wasn't able to uh, control at all what direction my own research went in because I had to trust that they were going to take it in a direction that was meaningful to them. Because to me, it was very important that the work had to be meaningful if we were going to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a huge question for me with the whole push to immediately move everything online and to have all these new programs to just produce, produce, produce. For me, if it's not meaningful for me as an artist, if it's not meaningful for the performers, then it's not going to be meaningful for audiences. And so I kind of had to really follow their instincts and, and listen to what they found interesting and to what I proposed to them. Um, and I'm really actually excited about the direction the research is, is going. And um, because the show uh, was imagined as three solos that eventually would be performed at the same time, now we're wondering, will they be performed one at a time if we're not allowed to have three performers on stage together? Um, would they have to do a mix of live and live stream? Um, and we've been considering all these questions. We're thinking about maybe building a social distancing set uh, to have a barrier between the audience and the performers. Uh, just because I'm like, if if I'm going to have these, these des contraintes sur mon processus, like if I'm going to have these obstacles, I want to make aesthetic choices based on those obstacles and not just see them as problems. I want to see them as, as spaces for new solutions. So it's actually been a really rewarding process so far, and we are all excited at the prospect of being able to meet up again. But for the moment, I'm actually really, really, really curious to see what type of show um, comes out of this strange collective confinement we've gone through. And uh, 
and how it will speak to audiences without making explicitly making a COVID show. Um, COVID has informed me as a person, and so therefore my process, and then therefore the work that I'm doing right now. Yeah. And there's something just to, to close on that. What, yeah. what I realized right away I hated about teleconferencing platforms mm -hmm. is that as artists, so much of our work is being in a space with other people in their intimacy, in their vulnerability, uh, in their creativity. And we're not always talking about things and naming them. Sometimes we're just being together and connecting on a more like visceral or um, empathetic level. And so being able to be in Zoom calls where I just get to witness people dancing uh, has made me like Zoom. I, I really was having the Zoom exhaustion and now I'm excited to get on and just be with people in, yeah, in the, that vulnerability. So it's it's very exciting. Thank you. Yeah, I found it's hard to like peel off that layer and just kind of sit in front of your screen. Um, I appreciate that. It's, and also just, it's really interesting what you're saying about set design and bringing that in. I was talking to Arez who runs, a, he runs the Frigid Festival in New York and he has a venue and he's been talking about just getting all this plexiglass and putting it all over the stage so you can have six people on stage at once um, performing it in his space. And then also plexiglass between his, the performers and the audience and, and having that be a real possibility. Quincy, you're back. <laughs> My goodness. I, <laughs> I'm on a different device now. I apologize in advance after the fact. And I got kicked off again. I won't interrupt by coming back in, but I think we're going to be good now. I can hear everything. The static oh, is gone. Great. We should be fine. That's great. Well, it's perfect. So I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, as an artistic director who presents a season, um, did you have shows that were canceled? Um, and I, I just, I'm curious if you can talk about how you, how you reacted yeah. to that. Um, and your feelings of online related. Do, do, do. <laughs> oh, darn. Well, we can come back to Quincy. Um, I didn't get to see the amped. Well, I'll see that. I might. I got. You're back. You You're back. Me? Go for it. I think I'm back. Yeah, you are. I think I'm you back. Are. I think I'm back. I think I'm it's back. Good. I think you I'm are. Back. So hard to tell. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not hearing anything right now, Amy. But I know that you were asking about what uh, what we what we had to cancel and uh, and talking about. So I'll just rip on that for a second. So you can hear me. Um, we cancel. Oh, no. No. Oh. oh no. This happens. Gabe, I think you're gonna have to take it. Um I'm <laughs> how has your experience been since we've been locked down? Yeah, um well I just talking about um Black Theater Workshop and AMP, I did get to see their um outcome. I don't remember what days are anymore, but it was definitely not that long ago, a couple of days ago. And I also saw the Artista one um, earlier, a few weeks ago. So those are both um, pieces that were just very exciting to to watch, um, both in, in different ways, but just seeing how um, how people are utilizing the medium. 
Um, Helen, I like what you said about um, not looking at the the obstacles that are presented in switching to this medium as problems, but looking at them more as like the, you know, just parts of the form and, and looking at how that informs the art. Um, it's It's been really interesting just seeing how people have been, you know, bringing theater online and what that looks like. And I've, I've been working on a show. Um, it was something that I started working on at the beginning of the year um, through the Emerging Creators Unit at Buddies in Toronto with B Current Theater. Um, and it was a piece that me and my friend Merlin, uh, Merlin Simard, we were writing it together. We went to theater school and we, we've done work together, but we had this idea of um, just writing this show about trans individuals and um, show, like a community of trans people and just exploring all of their relationships interpersonally, um, but also all with the underlying theme of cash and, and money and what it means to live in a world of, of capital. Um, and so we had that show, we were working on the script and we were supposed to present it originally, it was gonna be last week or two weeks ago, we were gonna present it at Buddies, um, but obviously we're here. But it kind of worked out for us because the script that we were writing, um, it, it's composed of these monologues and they were, you know, they were originally these pieces of characters talking to people not face to face. Um, they varied, some were phone calls, some were FaceTime, conversations, but they were already playing with this idea of disconnect and seeing how people how people connect from distance. It was and that was before any of this kind of came into effect in our lives. So we just kind of were like, this seems to be something that could work for this kind of medium. So we've been working on it since um, since March, um, essentially adapting it for this form and uh, we've we have it, uh, we'll be doing a live presentation of it on June 30th at 8 p.m. That's what we're gearing up to, but it's, uh, yeah, there's more information to come out. We're, we're just about to start releasing more stuff on it, but it's called e-transfers and it's, um, yeah, I'm excited for it. That's awesome. But I think all that, to, all that to say though, definitely like, even though it is still theater and it's trying to capture what theater is online, it is also its own thing, you know, just, just in the same way that, you can have theater in so many different types of theater spaces. A show that's in the round is not the same thing that's in a huge proscenium, is not the same thing that's in a tiny little black box. They all have their own feeling. And this also, it's we're using open broadcasting system software, which um, some people might know and use. And we've kind of realized that that is, in a way, our stage more than anything. And it's really exciting. That sounds really exciting. And it's, you know, it. I wrote the question down as you were talking, but is it still the performing arts if it's online? Is it still theater? Um, you know, is is what is the definition of live? Um, I'm curious if anyone has any thoughts about that. Accord, I would say the, the grant language that I've been using in terms of applications is a virtual performance experience or digital performance experience. I'm writing that, that one down. Well, I think it's so interesting because it does come back to the comment of like constraints, uh, not as obstacle, but perhaps as space for opportunity. And especially like as artists in the before, like we are very used to being resourceful. We're very used to coming up upon a roadblock and being like, all right, time to time to swerve. Let's do it. And so this is this is one of those moments because like 
something that I'm really carrying as I like conceptualize these ideas of what are the performing arts is the fact that like this isn't this isn't like a hiccup. It's not a speed bump. Like it this is like the societal equivalent of like those big watershed moments in an individual life where it's like, did I get on the train or not? Did I do that where your life went could have gone in a completely different direction? Like for me, when I moved to Montreal eight years ago, like my choice was Montreal or New Orleans. And like I don't know who that girl is who moved to New Orleans, but it's like that that flip of a coin in that moment changed the direction of my life. And this is going to change the direction of our society in such a way. And so like bearing that, that gravity and like, and being, being present with it, understanding that the plans that we had, the understandings that we had are no longer like, it's just, we gotta, we gotta refocus and we're, we're good at that, you know, and we're good at taking care and understanding like that refocus is a process. And so for me, like, I got to be part of this really cool thing this past week. It's called, it was like the Sprint Creative and it was in partnership with Maison Théâtre and we like, were like this creative think tank with like 30 professionals from very different backgrounds. Like I was one of the only theater people it felt like. I was also one of the only Anglophones. It was a very like, it was on the French side, but engaging this question and like with funding, like with resources, engaging this question of how do we bring performing arts to kids in the context of the pandemic, like come like fall 2020. And for me, something that really stuck is like, perhaps it isn't theater. Perhaps it's not theater if we're not body to body, like that intimacy, that exchange that happens on those other sensorial levels obviously isn't happening via Zoom. But what is performing arts? I think that's a really interesting question because I think there still is this aspect of performance and, and of self-performance and of self-awareness and of exhaustion and all of these new like logistics and governing factors of how we perform either like via Zoom or in distance, like on balconies or whatever. Like we're gonna find really cool new ways. And I think that this is like, personally, I have this desire for theater to evolve. Like for me, theater is like, I want it to be like street food, but in the way where it's like street food doesn't have to stay the same for hundreds of years. In some ways, like that's really valuable. But for me, I'm like, if I'm a street food cook and I go visit somewhere else and I want to bring that influence into my creativity, that is still street food and it is still valid and thus it transforms and perhaps someday it will be very unrecognizable from what it once was, but that is the beauty of cultural like evolution, right? And I'm like, this is this is like the kick in the ass that we needed to evolve theater into something that we may not even call theater, but I'm like, I'm excited for it. I'm like, let's rock, let's go. I'm totally like digging your energy. This is wonderful. Thank you for sharing all of that. Gabe. Yeah, yeah I no, I totally love what um what you're saying, Shanti, about like this just you know, because I think as artists we really our practice, you know, uh, Interdisciplinary is something that's thrown a lot, uh, thrown around a lot, but in I think in a certain way it's inherent to most art practices because even if you're just working, even just as a performer, you know, um, if you're if you have experience in a certain form like clown, but you also do work at, as a dancer and you also do work in these different ways, they're all different tools and they're all different lessons that you do and that that um, they're all things that you learn in different spaces as well, like um taking a workshop on something like a, a method of clown is something that you do to as a performer you know learn that put that tool into your toolbox and i've kind of taken on this like i'm trying to approach this in the same way looking this at this as another just tool as an artist and 
in that idea of also, you know, looking to people who do this and learning from them, um, I I feel like this is just something I've, I've heard a lot of people refer to this as a new art form or a new medium, um, which in certain ways it is, because as theater people, we're like, we are used to physical space. And so this is new for us, but there've been people who have been, you know, there's the YouTube community and the Twitch community and all these streaming communities that have been making lives out of this, livings out of this and drawing huge audiences in for years since before this. So in a certain way approaching this, I was like, how do they do it? How do they stream? Cause that in like any other form, you have to kind of learn from people who are doing it and then just kind of try your hand at it and see, see what you bring to it. But that idea of taking different kinds of, of flavors and styles and food and just making it, bringing it all into your kitchen is, that's what we do as artists. And I, I think to me, like just to bounce off what Gabe was just saying is that there's questions for me around arts institutions rushing to almost validate or say innovative practices that have been around for a long time outside of a mainstream uh, or institutionalized art circuit. YouTube exists. It is a practice. It is creative. It is a form. It has its own rules and its own audience and i doubt that before this uh, there would have been grants available for youtube streams but now all of a sudden there's something because of the pandemic that it's been validated as this uh artistic practice that is worthy of funding and i just i have questions around that um i have questions around yeah why do things have to go through institutionalized places in order to become seen as as high art as opposed to, to entertainment um, and at the same time, I have a lot of questions about the language that's being used about why we need to support artists right now and how it often comes back to entertainment or, or that, you know, wonderful French word, which means entertainment and diversion. And I don't think that I want to make work right now that's a, a diversion. I, I think that we have an opportunity to see a lot of what's going on in the world very clearly right now because we've all paused. Um, and I don't want to be part of making noise to cover that cause up. I want to make work that actually helps uh, change our perception of the world and hopefully makes the world a more caring, more compassionate, more more just place. Um, yeah. Yeah, thank you. There's so many layers these days, you know, there's the pandemic, racism, mental health, like there's a lot going on. Um, I want to read some of the comments actually that are coming in. Uh, first of all, shout out to those who are watching on YouTube because that is an option. Welcome. Um, Kate Nowacki really likes the e-transfers. So there you go. Good name, e-transfers. Uh, and Leah Jane, I like what Gabe said. Digital performance is a different art form than theater. Also, a music concert is different than watching an online music video or online live uh, artist. It's just different. Thank you. And maybe lastly, we'll share what Samantha had to say. These ideas offer up a th the thought, perhaps this is the moment to bring more performance art into the mainstream theater. Thank you. Um, what kind of art do we want to make now? What kind of art do you want to make? Um, it's interesting how I've heard about some of your projects evolving um, and shifting. Everybody's using the word pivot right now. So, and pivoting, I'll say it too. Um, but maybe looking ahead beyond what 
what are you curious about now? Well, I want to say like, I want to say something that's so like deep in my heart right now too, which is just that like, I am an artist in my soul and I do lots of artistic things, but I'm also kind of like heck art right now to a certain extent, because there's so much other work to do. And like, I think art can like add to that work. But I think that in this pandemic space, like, especially in the first little while, there was this like really intense like fear that without productivity, we are worth nothing because we live in a capitalist society. And so we were like, oh my God, we have all this time. It feels horrible. But now that we have all this time, like that's the reason that finally like white supremacy is getting the attention that it needs is because people aren't working 40 hour weeks or 60 hour weeks in our case, or like, you know, people have the time to actually participate politically, to educate themselves to et cetera, et cetera. And this is like, this is an opportunity to do stuff that grows us as humans. And when it like, and, and everyone's priorities are different, you know, like, and I have a lot of respect for that. Like some days I wake up and I'm like, I got to make art today. And some days I wake up and I'm like, don't say the word art to me. And both of those are super valid ways of being. And like, for me, I think if I zoom out, largely this moment is about educating myself, advocacy and activism. And also like, I'm working on like gaining hard skills outside of the arts because like I'm trying to free myself from the constraints of precarity. I think better art comes out of not being precarious and I, I want to put voice to that. So I'm like, I'm working on hard skills. I'm working on learning how to program. I'm, I'm working how to find concrete ways so that my voice can be heard in very significant ways and part of this moment. And so like, when I think about art making more largely, I'm like, there will be a moment where it's not as intense as this moment and I will know what art I wanna make then. And that is a future Shanti, she's got that, I trust her. And current Shanti right now is like, what are ways that I can serve my community? Because a stronger community, a community that is served will help us as a smaller community within a bigger community, we will make better art. But right now our community needs us in a much more urgent way in my view. Um, and that's, that's where I'm putting my energy because that's where my heart is, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, Julie, one of the, I kind of want to leave space to that thought. Thank you, Shanti, for, for all of that. What, one of the, one of the first things I saw when all this began, of course, were your, uh, I can't remember what they're called, isolation solo dance parties online that you've been hosting. Um, and I was really inspired when I saw that because it is a way to bring people together um, outside of perhaps an artistic practice, um, definitely serving community. Um, and you're such a big advocate for the community. I'm curious to hear a little bit about that. I think when I when when it started, it actually was something that was just incredibly selfish. I think it was in the first week of isolation, and I was finding myself incredibly untethered and completely uncreative, uh, and really needing to connect with anybody. And so I was finding myself just kind of spiraling down into this into a depression and. And I'm not a, normally a depressive person, but I think that everything just, I, I mean, I was the same for all of us, all like this big, huge wall just came smashing down in front of our entire lives. So I thought, you know, uh, I thought I felt, I felt like connecting with my community and my friends. And I felt like having 
uh, a schedule to at least one thing. So I thought 6.30, uh, dance, um, just have fun. And it's really only room for that, for to connect and to find joy with the people dancing in their own living rooms. And that was really the only way that I was gonna be able to connect with anybody was to go, to go like, I can imagine Amy Blackmore dancing with me in her living room. And so as it continued, um, people started bringing on their kids and their pets and their roommates and their lovers. And it actually became this really beautiful example of community. Um, I have, it brings me so much joy to know, to watch people dancing, but also to just dance with them. Um, and I think that that's like Shanti was saying that uh, I think we're really feeling how non-essential we are as artists. And, and that for me personally, because I didn't have uh, any pressing um, projects uh, at, the, at the time we went into isolation, um, it kind of made me feel like I, there was no need for me. And so the first, the first month, I think all I did was make masks and for other people in the community and uh, host these dance parties. And that was the only way that I could actually find a way through and, and fulfill, that, fulfill that need to be of service, like Shanti was saying, uh, to the community and to, uh, like to people I knew and to the people who I don't know. Um, and so that's been a really, that's been a really great lifeline um, for me. Uh, and then going forward in this, I think, I think that now I have a lot more room in my head and my heart to actually start creating again uh, and to want to create again, you know, to actually to, to take that time to find my feet and my, and to reconnect with my community. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like something that's really struck me is that is that the thing that will have to be radically different for me moving forward is that I realize that you know 98% of my work is the process and then 2% of the work is the show. Uh but we've yeah. set up the system that only puts value and only puts monetary compensation often on the show. And so the thing that I miss isn't doing shows, it's it's creativity and being together and making together and finding problems and finding solutions for those problems and, and allowing that creativity to take us in directions we couldn't imagine. Um, and that for me, the whole discussion about when, when can we have live performances again is so absurd because I'm like, when can I be in a space with another human being and solve problems together? That's, that's what I want to do. And now they've said next week that we can do shows. Well, how can we do shows if we don't have time to identify problems to find solutions for? And so I think what I've realized is that I have to figure out um, an approach in my art making practice that allows me to put more value on the process and then also allows me to share the process and share the process continuously because that's actually my work. My work is is the research, is the process, is the art making part. It's not it's not a show, um, and actually the show 
because I don't perform in my own work, um, the show has absolutely nothing to do with me. Once the show's made, I can't do anything. So, so I'm, I, I'm excited for shows to happen again so that the dancers and actors I work with will have employment and the technicians that I work with will have employment. But I think, can we also think of ways of doing that work and maybe putting a value on the, the invisible part of our work and, and saying maybe we can pull the, the curtain back and share a bit of the dirty part and a bit of the messiness and a bit of the rawness and a bit of the, the place where the show it hasn't gelled yet because that's actually more exciting in a way than once it's a fixed solid thing that, that yeah, is set in stone. Um, I also have to figure out a way of making art that allows me to sleep eight hours a night because now that I'm used to that, um, there's never going back to, you know, all nighters to finish a grant or whatnot. And uh, I think that I, I'm, I'm hoping that our industry will be a bit healthier in terms of work-life balance. Yeah, I think it's on us. We've got to insist upon that. Like we have been confronted with the ways in which maybe our care practices were not there. And it's our job to not be complacent and to be like, no, I deserve eight hours a night. I deserve a weekend. I deserve to shut off my computer and put off, like, you know, in the ways that we create Zoom accessibility. Like I can turn off my video if I need a second or like whatever, that we carry that with us. And that is that is ours. We earned it. Never forget that, any of us, including me. There's also been, though, I've been thinking about uh, time. I mean, obviously. <laughs> but uh, being in isolation and doing everything over Zoom or email or text or phone calls or whatever, uh, I find that I've not been giving myself the time in between that I normally would have had by walking to the next meeting or, you know, taking the metro to rehearsal or whatever it is and so you have that time to to regenerate to think to not think at all and i find that because i'm at home at my desk i can go i'm going to do this meeting from three to five and then from five to seven i'm going to do another meeting and then from seven to you know what i mean so i think that's also something we have to be really careful of if we start making art through this medium uh well we will we will in our in our different um, in our different ways, but I think that self care also has to be thought of differently um, because we're working with different tools. And like you know, my couch to take a nap is right over there. So <laughs> you know, so you kind of have to like figure out like balance um, just the 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 willpower to work, but also to not sit in front of your computer for 14 hours a day or whatever it is because it's exhausting and the process like what you were saying before Helen I find that having all of this time I really start thinking where where was the joy like where's the joy now and where was the joy before and if there wasn't any joy before, then how can I change that and go forward into this new way of creating, like actually bring forth that joy uh, that we all have. And I think that because we work so, work so much that we kind of forget about bringing that joy with us. So, you know whether it whether it is whether it lives in five minutes in an isolation dance or going to take a nap on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I think too, like with, with what you're saying, Julie, and also Shanti, what you bring, brought up earlier about like just taking the time to just do other things and, and take on other skills and projects. And Julie, you're talking about doing community stuff. I, I think it, there is a certain, you know, silver lining in the fact that we have this break. Um, there's definitely a certain kind of like privilege that I think it takes to also be able to relax and be like, okay, like even though the world is is where it's at and our work is precarious as it's always been and you know seemingly like just not gonna happen in the ways we've known it for who knows how long um there is also kind of the gift of being able to sit back and reflect and i think with how much is with everything that's going on in the world i mean none of it's new stuff of course it's all stuff that's been around for too long but um, I think it, there's an opportunity to, to personally, I, I think whether we're, you're an artist or in any sort of whatever you do for a living, taking that time to reflect on learning and unlearning is very important. And this is a great time to do it. And I think part of that as artists, especially as freelance artists who work with institutions, but also you know, with, we, we butterfly around and we, it's really much more of a community than, than it is an employer, but to also question the systems that allow us to work, you know? Um, Helen's right about the whole 2%, 98% of, you know, what is what is the work? And um, even though there's a lot of importance on the show and that is, there's a lot of, it's it's like the, the crux in some points of what we're doing, um, everything else happens before that and leading up to that and how that happens, who gets to make certain decisions, who, who gets, included in the room and excluded from the room those are all things that especially since all these institutions are largely on pause i feel like it's it's the time to also reflect as bodies and as people who are part of these larger institutions be like what does it mean to the work that i was doing now that i'm not doing it what what was i actually doing and what wasn't i doing um i think there's so many different roles as freelance artists that we can look at that as at like yeah. just the work that we do artistically um I'm, I work on the board for, well, I, I volunteer for the board of the Quebec Drama Federation. So thinking about that, um, we, there's still work being done. Shanti works there and Amy's on the board with me. And it's it's really, I love being there. And even though being there means being here, um, continuing that work and then just also seeing, you know, the other, the other communities and the other, or the other places within the community that we work with and just visioning how we want them to look when we get back there. What, what could be better about them? Because we could do a lot more for sure. And that's the gift of now. Yeah, you know, that makes me think about, and like something that I'm hearing a lot, like is the word in different ways, but the word value and values. And like, this is a moment where we are coming face to face with the value structures that previously existed that valued us and also the ways in which we value ourselves and the ways in which that we set the boundaries based on how we value ourselves of certain things and to me like something that i think a lot about is the privilege of having chosen to do theater and like doing the or, or the performing arts in general to be a freelance artist is a great privilege that we opt into and thus we have to take responsibility for the fact that we opt into some of the precarity and every time we sign a contract with an organization that may be a little less than savory we are opting into that in certain ways and we have the power to opt to do things differently and I think it's really important, speaking of values, is I find for me, like, I don't, I'm, I'm always self-working. I've got stacks of journals. Like, I'm trying to, like, really figure myself out. 
And one of the things is that I kind of got stuck in this loop where like, I was like, well, I'm a theater artist and I'm only a theater artist and my skills aren't transferable or something like that. Heck no. Our skills as theater artists are both valuable in the art that we make and continue to make that will serve our community, but also those skills transfer very directly into ways that we can very immediately serve our community during this period of like dark, dark room, dark, what is that called? When the day is dark, the Monday, dark days. There it is. Um, I forget all the theater program, LOL. But <laughs> I'm like, this is, if we, if we sorry. No, no, sorry, continue. Just like if the stage is dark, let's use our skills elsewhere because as artists, our job is also to observe and that grows us as artists and grows our ability to evoke life, right? So we need to live life to do that. So let's use our skills as communicators, as facilitators, as agents in our community to serve our community in ways that we've never dreamed of because that connection with our community not only benefits our community, but will benefit us later when people remember when we showed up and they will come into our theaters in a completely different way if we really join hands with the rest of Montreal, with the rest of Quebec, Canada, et cetera. And so for me, I'm like, this is not, this is the rest, rest is so important. Oh, I love rest. But I'm like, <laughs> this is not off, you know, like I, our skills are still usable and you deserve to value yourself enough, invisible you, you deserve to value yourself enough to understand the ways that you are so useful and so essential. You just have to have the audacity to imagine how that can happen. I just wanted to quickly say uh, that this is probably a really good time because all of the institutions that, the, what, that we're talking about, you know, you go in, you sit down, you watch a piece of theater and it's traditional and sometimes it's maybe not as traditional. And so this is probably a really great time to start proposing new ideas because these theaters are being forced to look at how they present in a different way. So you've got all of these venues that are kind of going like, well, we can't do it the way that we used to do it. Like we can't do it how we did it last year or like in February. So I I would love to encourage uh, um, artists uh, to, you know, make proposals to those artistic directors and say, look, I have this way of looking at uh, art, bring it onto the stairs, bring it into the street, bring it into, you know, my home or, or, or whatever it is through Zoom. And uh, yeah, I just, I would love to, I can't wait to see um, how how we go forward as a community and how we can maybe break some of those um, those bubbles around the institutions. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know that we only have a minute left, so. Thank you. I, you know, it's interesting, the grant agencies, they're all kind of rolling out new money for some new ideas. Um, digital or not, uh, dancing in the streets. I'm curious if any of you have looked into them. I know I have one that's open that I may or may not get in today. Um, what's your feeling? What are you hearing? How are people reacting to that? I, I think there's a range for sure. Um, there's, there's, I haven't seen all of it. I'm, I'm sure there's stuff that I'm unaware of, um, but there's some stuff that's really exciting about it. It is like nice to see um, just support to, to continue making art, that there is a desire of that in our society, especially in Quebec. I think that's something that we're really, um, we 
we are fortunate for that as artists. Um, there are also some disconnects, I think, in terms of um, how artists are ready to approach work and also what it means to approach work. Again, that whole idea of, you know, if, if we have to put a proposal in to produce a show that might happen in August or September, pending, you know, not having everybody close again, and then we have to make these, you know, agreements with other artists and we have to start putting the work in now. What if it doesn't happen in the end, it's that's still labor. And I think especially for a lot of institutions, it's not like money's lying around to just put in that extra labor now if if we can't approach it securely and knowing what we're doing. Um, I'm not against continuing art in this time at all. I think there's so many different ways to do it, but I think there's just it's always better to have more conversations between the artists and you know the the bodies that are are helping us <laughs> make our work. Yeah. I just want to say too, like I want to see sustainable gestures, like in the realm of like granting us to make online work or whatever, whatever. Like I feel like I'm seeing a lot, and at the beginning I felt this more, but I felt turned off sometimes by grants because it felt like a knee jerk sort of like, well, here, just do this right now, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, or like even in the in the context of how organizations are taking responsibility for white supremacy. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, here's immediate reparation. Like, just right now, for this. here you go. Now, good. And I'm like, no, no, I want to see how you're going to keep doing this work. Like, I want to see, I don't want to see a one-off kind of thing, like, little, like, Black Lives Matter post. I want to see you're going to work this into your programming. And in terms of, like, like we know what we know, that we know that. So I want to see that work and, like, the, the required understanding of what you are investing in because we're not we are not investing in art as it existed before. And I wish, I really want the money to, like, be given with the understanding that this is an investment in a development that's going to go in a direction that we don't know. And I want to see organizations really take responsibility for the we don't know, but we're going to do our heckin' best on the thing, both in the realm of COVID, and art, and in the in the realm of taking responsibility for the white supremacy. I think as we as we oh sorry, Gabe, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I just um just to jump onto what Shanti just said about also like um looking at how um the you know how we make art and specifically in terms of um just you know um racism in our systems that exist it theater is not excluded from that and i think in terms of how institutions run it's also important to look at like how they've been running even you know subconsciously often but in terms of like take you know question what what's the makeup of your board how how white is it how white is it or how um, how diverse is it? How many people of color? And just from different communities as well, you know? Um, I think um, there is, there's a lot of diversity in theater that we celebrate in the, in the performance level and in what's visible, and that's really important. But also a lot of our institutions are, have been around for a while and every, no one is, is, everyone's prone to nepotism in some way, um, but being aware of that and being aware of like where we can kind of make space um, where there hasn't been space given so far when we reopen, like that, that is, I think, of the utmost important um, as artists who work with institutions and as artists working for institutions, it's all of our responsibilities. And I think, it's, I think it's important too, just in the thought of sustainability to not fall into the trap of making a lot of quickly made, poorly thought out art 
just to fill a void. I don't want to see a bunch of fast food art being made. And I feel like there's a lot of fast food art being asked to be made right now. A lot of poorly thought out programs with poorly thought out projects from artists uh, that might have no impact because let's be honest, my, like my digital reach on YouTube is not anywhere near a YouTubers. So I can make, I can take a grant and make a YouTube video and maybe a hundred people will watch it, maybe 200 people, you know, where's the work in investing and making sure if we're going to invest in these forms that we're investing in audience development so that the work does have a reach and isn't just a bunch of cheap plastic from the dollar store that falls apart. Yeah. Well, and I think on that note, we could talk for hours, but we've promised one hour. Um, unfortunately, Quincy's uh, internet just wouldn't let him back in. So we'll have to have him join another talk. Any final thoughts that anyone would like to share before I wrap us up? All right. I just love talking to all of you. I miss talking to you and it's so nice too. I'm just very thankful for this. Yeah, I'm just blown away by uh, everybody's uh, reflection and empathy and and realness in this. So thanks for having a, yeah, an actual profound discussion about the importance of what we do or not. <laughs> I, I just wanted, I would like to say one more thing, and it has to do with, with what Gabe and Shanti, you're talking about, uh, about, you know, um, theater companies who are sort of quickly uh, putting it out there, talking about white supremacy. And um, I think that as, as difficult as it is, and I'm, I think that, I think it's important that some of us, take on some responsibility of, because we're all friends, we're all connected, we're all like, you know, within one degree of each other. And if we, um, I, I think that the way forward is through one-on-ones um, because we're all friends. And so if we see that someone is, is perhaps doing what you're talking about, just sort of throwing that out there and, you know, hashtag Black, Black Lives Matter, if we can, if we continue to be vigilant, and I'm not, I'm not asking for people to do the work because it's really hard work. But those of us who can and have some energy to do it, I think that it is on us to, uh, to sort of be vigilant with our friends, um, so that we can move forward. And yeah, yeah, I would like to just like interact with that and also like in terms of wrapping up the space, like this is a moment that I think, at least for me, I feel like it is asking great tenderness of me toward toward the world, toward myself, toward my communities. And this, this kind of like compassion for all of the work that is happening right now. And the fact that we are all operating with an immense amount of weight that has never been before on us in this kind of intensity and this kind of immediacy. And I guess like, as we move forward, we have to carry that hope. We have to carry that, that insistence, that drive, that conviction, while also understanding and being real with ourselves where it's like, I can't put in a 40 hour work week the way I did before, because I have a headache from all of the other stuff that's going on right now. And understanding the pace is different. 
the work is different. One-on-ones is an excellent suggestion because that that is where real tender, compassionate work can happen. Um, I personally, like, I feel very turned off by call-out culture. Like, I don't think that that is always the best way forward. I mean, this is this moment where everybody is kind of like, call-outs are kind of a way that people are getting heard and that's happening. But I'm like, this is a moment about being tender and compassionate with each other, with ourselves, and but also like insisting on the fact that we are going to grow through this. And so investing in that growth, investing in ourselves, our, each other, our art, our communities, that that is what will bring us joy, will bring us freshness, like replenishment, and that will in turn make our art so much better. So it's a time of responsibility and reflection and tenderness. And thank you guys so much for your reflections. It feels so good to connect with people on this stuff instead of like ranting to my path. So like, <laughs> Let's let the conversation continue. Please, if you enjoyed uh, listening, uh, please contribute. Please post comments. Uh, we want to interact with you. Uh, this whole talk is going to be archived and it will be available online. We will have the link on our uh, montrealfringe.ca page on the full master schedule. We're having this conversation again tomorrow, but in French. So uh, please join our Francophone colleagues for that. Um, thank you to you for, I really appreciate everything that you've offered us. Um, a lot to think about and to marinate on. I always talk about that. I'm like a steak and you just need to marinate. It can be tofu steak, that works too. Um, but uh, let's do that and uh, we'll see everyone tomorrow. Thank you everyone. Thank you. Get into the fringe.